Anime has a long history of tackling political subject matter in its own way, for better or worse, and that spirit is still going strong today. We visited the Anime Boston Convention to explore the overlap between political discourse and the anime fandom in the latest episode of Retconned. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Retconned, a podcast of assorted geekery. I'm Rick Marshall, and today's episode takes a dive into the politics of anime, the art of Japanese animation. Retcon producer Patrick Garrett recently visited Anime Boston, the annual three-day anime fan convention that's the largest event of its kind in the Northeast U.S. and one of the largest in the country. Against the backdrop of a rapidly changing international relationship between the U.S. and many Asian countries, as well as a growing movement to improve the representation of women and minorities in various media, we spoke to some of the prominent voice actors and creators in the world of anime about their own experiences and perspective. Anime, otherwise known as Japanese animation, follows a form and recognizable format that differs it from Western animation. But unlike its American counterparts such as Hey Arnold or The Simpsons, anime often finds its heart in more darker and mature themes. It's so popular that it has spawned well-attended conventions across the country. Upon walking through security and trudging down clogged halls, opens the convention floor, where it becomes quite easy to spot cosplayers. Or, for those of you who don't know, that's fans who dress up as characters from a movie, anime, or a video game. I've been to many conventions, but never have I found a convention where the number of cosplayers might outnumber the amount of people casually dressed. That was until Anime Boston. Recently, anime has been the subject of contention in the industry, with the live-action casting decisions behind Ghost in the Shell and Death Note, which, to much derision, put white actors in roles that were traditionally understood as Asian characters. I talked to numerous voice actors while at the convention about their thoughts behind the choices, one of whom is Johnny Young Bosch, a half-white, half-Asian actor who starred as Adam Park in Power Rangers. He was also the voices of Lelouch V. Britannia in Code Geass and Ichigo Kurosaki in Bleach. His roles leave him uniquely qualified to talk about issues facing the industry. You know, it's hard for me because I'm an Asian-American, you know, and I would love to see Asian-Americans play the Asian roles, you know, or Asians play the Asian roles. Um, and, uh, but you see it so much, you know, yeah, I don't know, it's... Half of me is, is like for it, and half of me is like whatever, because um, half of me is white. I don't know if they needed her, you know, um, but then I'm not like a Scarlett Johansson, like, I don't go see everything she's in, you know. Um, I'll see Ghost in the Shell because I like Ghost in the Shell. Um, and I think the title alone of that one will make people go see it, you know. I don't think she'll do a bad job. I think she'll do a fine job, but... It would be kind of nice to see, you know, but whatever, you know, who, who am I? I'm not producing. Until I get to produce a show, then, you know, I'll be the lead. Uh, <laughs> this guy just so happens to be Asian-American. But it wasn't just anime that Bosch had criticism for. Do you guys see uh, uh, Iron Fist on uh, Netflix? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple things about that. I mean, I don't think that guy's a bad actor. He's definitely not a martial artist. As a martial artist, that's the other thing. Is like, if you are what they're trying to portray and, and they're not, then it's like, yeah, you're not doing kung fu right, man. 
I'm a kung fu guy. I'm a Shaolin kung fu, and I see it. I'm because uh. I know earlier on there. The only reason I'm saying this because earlier on people were like, "Let's see an Asian do it," you know. I understand both sides to that because, like, originally, well, that's the way it was. But also back then, you know, they just weren't cool with Asian people, um, and so yeah, so that was hard. Anyways, when you watch it, if you're a martial artist, then look at the kids in the belts like if you see a red belt and their belt is tied like a white belt they're not a red belt you know that bothered me so much watching these kids like with these different colored belts you know i'm like that person is not yellow or red belt because that's not how you tie a belt you know as a white belt you learn how to tie your belt you know and it's like that's not it it doesn't go you know and yeah anyways it really bothered me (laughs) The entertainment industry isn't a rookie when it comes to defending itself against accusations of whitewashing and sexism. The spotlight seems even more focused recently after Ghost in the Shell's casting of Scarlett Johansson. You are the first of your kind, but you're not invulnerable. Maybe next time you can design me better. Voice actress Jeremy Lee, best known for her roles in Fairy Tale, Sword Art Online, and Sailor Moon, noted some of the changes she's seen over her decade voice acting various anime. Specifically in anime, and I think I've seen a little less of it, which has been great. Uh, when I first started working in anime, which I guess was 10 years ago, as this was my first convention 10 years ago, um, I noticed that any time the female characters had any sort of big empowering speech or rallying uh, bit of information uh like a wind would fly and the skirt would blow up and I felt like it kind of diminished the uh effectiveness of the empowerment that they were trying to deliver uh I haven't seen that as much and that was probably one of the biggest things I was like why can't they deliver a speech but when a guy does that they would never do something like that to diminish that uh, so I have seen less of that and I've been very fortunate to play um a lot of really strong female characters, and I'm really grateful that uh, I have the opportunity and that these directors uh, think that I can do those characters justice. And I'm seeing it more and more that these female characters are not, they don't have to make excuses for why she's a great pilot or why she's a great um, leader or great swordsman. Uh, it just, it is what it is. It doesn't matter that she's a girl. It doesn't matter uh, that the guy is more sensitive. And so I kind of want to see a little bit more of that where we don't have to explain why she's so great. Like, well, her dad years back was like, no, it's just, she's awesome because she's awesome. Uh, and so I think there's, it's been a great uh, thing to see that changing in the industry. And I think uh, obviously, there's a, a little ways to go, uh, but just seeing more representation, especially in the bigger video games where the female characters aren't just like the pretty girl that uh, gives the guy a pat on the back and tells him he's going to do a great job. Now she's out there fighting and uh, in some cases is the lead of the game, which is really exciting. I'm also seeing more opportunities for men to be more sensitive and get to uh, be portrayed in a different light, and I think that's also important uh, for people to um, be aware of all sides of a human being and not just what you know society has dictated is kind of acceptable. Christopher Sabat, the infamous voice of Vegeta, the prince of all Saiyans in Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super, weighed in with his thoughts of where he could see the future of anime going and what he'd like to see come out of the industry in newer shows. 
You know, it's it's kind of hard to say. Like, it, as far as what sort of anime would I like to see? Because it's it's yeah, it's so culturally um, it, it's so culturally bound to Japan right now that there's just certain things that we don't like hundred percent understand. They don't really jive with our ideas of what kind of life is life in America, but. What I would like to see is a lot more co-productions where Americans have a little bit, a little bit of say in kind of what the story is, um, a little bit of say in kind of how the the characters play out. Not to say that we'd be any better with it, but I think I'd like to see that collaboration happen. Like some American sensibilities, like possibly, you know, looping in a couple of stronger female characters. I think in all of Dragon Ball Z, I think there's like six females and. There's not a single strong one, really, except for maybe Videl, but she still is kind of a housewife. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some co-productions from some kind of American companies to see what came out of that. I know Dimension W was one of those, uh, but I don't think we had as much say in that as you know as we want to. And working with Japanese clients a lot on video games and so forth, they want to... They want ideas from America. They are obsessed. They're as obsessed with America sometimes as we can be of Japan, since we all are obsessed with Japanese culture in this room, I imagine. Um, and so they they strive for they kind of they really strive to do what Americans uh, do best, and that's create things. And Japanese are are pretty good at creating things, but they're uh, but Americans have like. This un, by their own definition, by their own in their own words, we just have this unbridled creativity, and their games kind of tend to be locked into these very specific genres, and they love how creative we allow our games to be. You know, this is back last conversation I have with these guys were around the time like Red Dead Redemption and stuff like that had come out, and they were just their minds were blown that anyone could even make a game like that. So, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But stronger female characters, I'd like to see that. Although, uh, but not uh, by deleting any of the characters I would play, of course. Back to Bosch, who has had his own problems finding acting jobs due to his background as a half-Korean American. When it comes to what can be done about the whitewashing and systemic racism seen in the industry, Bosch says it might not come soon, but he has hope. Well, see, I'm kind of like, I'm the, I'm, I'm the fine line. I'm like, I'm the gray area, because I'm... Half Asian, you know. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't get a job for a few years after Power Rangers. I was lucky to get that role. Um, because after then, I went through a depression. I couldn't get a job. Anytime I went out for an audition, that it was like for an Asian dude. And then so I go in, and there's an Asian dude next to me that's an actual Asian dude, like full on, that looks Asian. And I go in, they're going to be like, this guy, what is he, Hispanic? You know, no, no, not that guy. You know, let's get the Asian guy, you know. He looks Asian, you know, so I wouldn't get those roles. And any time I went in for, like, a Caucasian role, I couldn't get that either because I didn't look like Caucasian. So I couldn't get a job. I had a really hard time. And so I was very fortunate enough to, well, I ended up starting a band at that point because I was like, I don't know what else to do. And then, uh, and then I got into voiceover, which was, you know, really kind of brought, helped bring me out of that whole thing and helped me to keep acting, actually, um, because there's, there's a time where I was like, I don't know if I can do acting anymore. Um, yeah, so it was, it was tough for me at that point. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it all just takes time, you know. Maybe I'll never, you know, land that Asian-American role, but maybe the people behind me will, you know. 
maybe I can kind of do something to help, you know, but we'll see. I talked to Sabat before the premiere of the English dub of his latest project, My Hero Academia, about the balance between diversity and industry standards. In anime, a little, sometimes, um, in video games, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, granted, my exposure to a lot of this over the last few years has been things like uh, working with Anthony Birch on, on Borderlands and uh, Aaron on uh, Battleborn. Those guys really took the inclusion very seriously. Like, the, you know, Anthony Birch is always preaching about, like, uh, misogyny in games. And so his games particularly had way more rounded, more balanced characters. And uh, so that's that's been my experience. And after all the years of just basically getting the same character sides over and over again, like need deep female sexy voice, need deep voice gruff man, need high-pitched scared guy character, it's nice to actually have some variety in them. And the anime is getting... You know, I. I would say it's getting more progressive, but at the same time, anime tends to kind of repeat itself a lot. Like, it, I would say if, if I had, and some people might slap me because I am at a massive anime convention for this, but sometimes I look around like Anime Expo and I go from booth to booth and I go, what, you could just pretty much, I don't even know why they like develop new characters. I don't know why they just don't put them all into a pool and then just reuse them because it seems like they do anyway. Like the characters are... A lot of the character design is so similar from anime to anime that it's that it's uh, a little bit irritating. Um, then again, there's shows like My Hero Academia, which we're having the premiere of tomorrow for the second season dub. Um, that show blows my freaking mind. That is the coolest combination between like Western and Eastern influences in, in animation, and that's of course it's Bones. So they always they always kick ass on everything they do. But you just do, I do see a lot of these shows, like I look at them, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them because a lot of them just seem to have the same kind of style. Um, but I guess as, as production processes are becoming kind of easier and more accessible for more people, they can do kind of digital animation faster, allows them to work, uh, allows them to be a little bit more creative. President Donald Trump's policies regarding international trade has brought up discussion regarding what the future of anime would be in America. In one of his first decisions as president, Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal, which some say would threaten creativity by extending intellectual property laws across international waters. Others say it would have loosened international tariffs and boosted growth. But Trump's recent America First foreign policy puts, quote, American interests and national security first and it could deal a potential blow to trade with Japan. Lee has confidence that consumers of anime and manga wouldn't see any setbacks, but not without some hesitation. Obviously, uh, the current political situation um, leaves things very, um, everything's very up in the air. I think a lot of people are scared. I think it's also, what I have seen uh, is it's also putting sort of the power back into the people's hands as if people aren't happy about something they're making their voices heard where I feel like in the past people would just kind of sit back and say well there's nothing I can do about it and now people are saying you know I'm going to do something about it I'm going to stand up and I'm going to I'm going to take care of people I'm not just going to I'm not going to sit back online and say that I'm not happy about something I'm going to get out and do something in my community I'm going to help people um, and for for that I'm really excited to see how people are going to keep uh, 
stepping up to the plate and, and trying to do the right thing. And I think that's great. It's, it's making everybody accountable for things. And even though it might not be for uh, the reasons everybody hoped for, um, I think as, as soon as we see the dark, the light also has to come shine a little bit brighter. So I would hope, and I, I think just because it's been around for so long and people are exposed to it, I, I don't think that people would be okay with just letting it uh, disappear. I think we would miss it. I think we would find a way. Um, and um, the stories are just too powerful. Uh, there's too many great lessons, and they're universal lessons. Um, and maybe that's just wishful thinking because I love this industry um, and I, I love what I get to do. But I think because we have such um, diversity in this nation um, that people can communicate and people would find a way to make that happen. And I, I would hope we're not getting into a situation where everything is being censored and ripped away from us. Um, and if it is moving in that direction, I hope we all stand up and fight for creativity and fight for um, uh, intelligence and for um, intellect and, and integrity and, and thoughts to continue on because, you know, that hurts everybody. When it comes to Japanese animation, fans could tell you the reactions they get when they tell their friends that they like anime. It's often not positive. More recently, thanks in part to creators Hayao Miyazaki and Makoto Shinkai, anime has become more widely accepted, but it isn't quite on par with Western animation or live action when it comes to overall respect from society. As a guy who's been doing this since 1998, to see what the respect level was back then versus now, it's infinitely different. So I think what's, what's weird is I've seen not only uh, people embracing anime that never would have kind of even touched it or understood it before, just because of the gross exposure we have to it now. Uh, you know, anime, even anime dubbing used to be kind of the lowest rung on the totem pole of voice acting to some degree. Uh, anime was always, seemed to, uh, always uh, seen as this sort of lesser than thing to other types of voice acting. But as anime popularity has increased, I mean, there's, what, 30,000, 40,000 people outside um, I've found people who work in regular, you know, prelay cartoons and films have have been coming to me now saying like, "Hey, uh, how do we get into that? Uh, how do we get into that anime thing? Because that's that seems pretty cool." Uh, so I'd I'd say that based on my experience, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe you're right, maybe it's not respected as much, but I feel like people know what anime is now, and they they do. They, they understand it. There's, there, I think there's a great amount of acceptance for it. Maybe not everyone loves it, but you know the fact that we're seeing it on TV every night and it's, it's quality and there's so much of it and there's so much of it happening kind of instantly now that with Funimation simuldubs and Crunchyroll putting their stuff up right away, you can, you can watch TV as if you were watching it in Japan practically, maybe on a you know, three weeks late if you like the dub or something like that. But still, it's pretty remarkable by comparison where... We had to wait, you know, 15 years just to get the first dub of Dragon Ball, it seems. It took a while for anime to come this far. From old VHS tapes to Toonami, which is the programming block on Cartoon Network where many first saw anime, and after-school programming to Blu-ray and streaming services, to conventions across the world, anime has certainly taken on new sizes. Just like any medium, it has its ups and downs. It's not always the perfect masterpiece, and it's not always pure garbage. There's a magic in anime that helps capture the essence of what it is to be human, 
good and bad, that Western writing has yet to really grab onto. Stigmas still run rampant. At its best, that it's for children, or at its worst, that it's for pedophiles. And while anime that represents both categories really still exist, it is a medium and not a genre. There is anime where the main character punches it out with the villain of the week, and then there are shows that show the innocence of a child, the humility of an aging man, or the compassion and complexity of family. In the end, just like books, music, theater, or television, it's all entertainment, and that's why we're all here. That was Recon's Patrick Garrett reporting from the recent Anime Boston Fan Convention. This has been Recon, a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Patrick Garrett. I'm Rick Marshall. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice. It lets us know you're out there and want to hear more. Thank you.